My Money Story, we sit down and talk about money with people just like you. Today, we've got a special guest, Dawn Thomas. She's a financial advisor. She won one of the biggest industry awards at the end of last year. She's got a fascinating story, migrant to Australia. And we talk in this episode about meeting a partner, having a family, going back to work, main income earner, teaching kids about money. And we get into that later in the episode. It's just a great chat. But I will just give you a little warning. After the break, we do touch on some domestic violence issues. Uh, So I just want to let everyone know that we will be talking about that after the break. So even if you listen to the first half of the show and then skip through, uh, it's a great chat, a really good PSA for anyone who's interested in being a human and having money, and that is all of us. And we can't do this episode without Sky Wealth. One of the most important things that you can do in your own financial life is make sure you're protected if the worst thing happened to you. The worst thing that can happen to a lot of people, they're injured or they're ill and they can't work. So you need to get some income protection sorted in your life to protect the biggest asset, and that is you in the mirror dressed in your work clothes before you go to work. You are a walking annuity. You need to protect it. So thank you to Sky Wealth for helping us bring you the podcast today. My name's Glenn James, joined by Dawn Thomas, and this is Money. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Dawn, welcome to the podcast. If someone was like, who are you, Dawn? What do you say to that? Oh, that's a, that's a big question, Ben. Look, I, I am a purpose-driven person. So I think everything that I do, I feel like I need to do it with 100% believing it with all my heart. And, and that's just who, that's how I'm made up, you know? So it's, I don't know how to do it any other way. So whether it's um, playing hockey and enjoying myself, but not being the best hockey player, it's okay. <laughs> I'll just, I have fun. And the whole idea of life is, um, you know, to help people have a fair go. Um, and, yeah. and I'm always one for the underdog story, um, cause I think I really resonate with that. And that's what I hope to bring in for my client interactions is that I really don't want anyone to feel like they need to count themselves out of the money conversation. Um, I think it's more mm. that society has told them that they're not a winner and it's our job to turn it around so that they know that they're winners. Like a good psychologist would do, they would run into the room and say, tell us about your childhood and let's dig up all that stuff. (laughs) Um, Like the underdog story and that mission to really be the champion of other people, did that come from somewhere growing up? Yes, it it did. And, you know, um, it's confronting to think of yourself, but you're really trying to fight for your your inner child, right? All the the stuff that you couldn't see as as a kid. And that's what you're trying to do as an adult. Um, and I come from Singapore and I came to Australia when I was 20. Um, and Singapore is an interesting country in the way that it's built on meritocracy, where they say that, you know, despite your racial background, your gender, your religion, everybody has a fair goal because it comes down to what you achieve. You know, that's what we're told at school. Um, but mm-hmm. when you're actually going through the system, you know, I found that people were very much defined by money. 
Um, and I, I kind of realized when I was older that I have a money block with the word um, mm. rich, right? It was a, it's a negative term for me, but wealthy is not. Um, you know, and this is conversations I've, I've had with Amy Baker, who's amazing at uh, money mindset. You know, so that experience in Singapore gave me that negative um, association with the word rich because I was very regular. And in Singapore, most people live in government housing, uh, which I call HDBs, right? So that's pretty normal mm -hmm. that most people live in them, but the really rich are the ones who live in the condominiums and the houses. Um, and I, I just didn't understand why there was always this race at all costs, all costs of not seeing your kids, um, your own values, just to be defined by the car you drove, the handbag you carry, the clothes that you wore. And I think it's in that sense that, you know, very much I would be defined as a loser in many aspects, <laughs> maybe in a regular criteria, wow. you know, so I did feel that way. But if you take it to another layer where Singapore is a country of migrants, um, and I was part of a minority race, the Indians that came from South India, you know, there was that other bit of, you know, if you're dark skin, you're of less value, you're less beautiful. Mm. If you're a woman, mm. you know, in some of these Asian cultures, you are seen to only be of service to others. You can't be, you can't fail. You need to be the nice person. <laughs> um, you know, mm. so I feel like in, in, a, in a lot of different scenarios is, um, when you're meant to be counted out, you know, it's, it's really that idea of really relishing getting out of that system and then actually knowing what's important in life and actually feeling like a winner. So it's not by anyone else's expectations. You've got to feel it yourself. Um, so yeah, I hope that sort of explained it. Had, <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. Had you had much pressure, uh, particularly in your teens and early adulthood, like you said, you were 20 when you moved to Australia. Yes. Uh, did you move here with your family or were your parents still in Singapore and was there much pressure from your family? Yeah, so I, I moved here on my own. And um, and my dad, I think, in one of the greatest acts he could have done, married my mom because my dad was not counted a normal success. He was a band boy, a musician who became a journalist. His idea of being responsible to the family was actually going to broadcasting and having a normal job as opposed to pursuing music. And my mom you know, again, the greatest thing she did was choosing my dad because she could have married a doctor, mm. but she was like, mm. no man's going to control me. <laughs> so she, she did that. And there was that pressure still with them. My mom wanted me to continue with science, you know, become a doctor. Um, and that meant that at high school, you need to take a certain amount of science courses. So I even remember when I was 17 or 18, I had to fight really hard because um, when I was 16, I was in what they call the pure science stream. And the subject I really enjoyed was actually literature, you know, but I did advanced maths, I did science, I did all of that. Um, and I had to fight at university to be able to just do literature, economics and maths, advanced maths, right? And that's still considered like very watered down because really by picking that, that could have narrowed your ability to actually enter into a course like medicine. So those sort of things at every bit was a fight. And I can't say that I'm truly an arts person or I'm truly a science person. I'm kind of in the middle. My mom's a science teacher. Uh, my dad passed away last year, um, and I would say he's very—he's a creative. Um, so after that, I think the negotiation I had with my parents was that I'm going to do everything you ask me to do with my—you know—we we have the O levels and A levels in Singapore. I'll do everything on that end. Um, but you know, can we make the agreement that if I fulfill all your your requirements, that I get to go to Australia and study journalism? Um, and I did. Oh, you, you, know, involved, you wanted to do journalism. That's yeah. what I I did, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, wow. 
Yes. Wow, I didn't know. And this is like, so I've known Dawn for a handful of years uh, as a colleague in the industry and, you know, various industry events and whatnot, you don't actually get to sit down and say, oh, well, tell us about, you know, yeah. <laughs> your story. So it, it is um, great for me to learn a little bit more about that. So, yeah, you chose Australia to do journalism. Why Australia? Uh, so Perth is the closest to Singapore. So it was a very... Um, safe choice. And I had an uncle um, over here as well. So they thought with the transition coming over, there was someone that I could go to, but largely I kind of came on my own and had to make friends on my own. Um, and I remember even family members kind of saying to my mom, like, why would you support her going doing a journalism degree? Like they don't get jobs. <laughs> they do journalism or, you know, anyone can be in a journalism degree. Like it was really looked down upon at that point. But then my Australian mm-hmm. friends were like, Don, get ready to work at McDonald's. <laughs> not getting a job. So I had it from both sides. And I'm like, it's okay, guys. I'm living my best wow. life. You know, Australia was, yeah. that move was freedom, <laughs> was was everything that I could imagine in finding joy um, and confidence. Mm. But of course, when I graduated, then the realities of life did kick in when you are trying to apply for a permanent resident visa and the difficulties of actually finding a job in that stream. You know, so I've applied for graduate programs, and I was considering a cadetship in a regional area in Perth for journalism, um, but I made the choice to actually enter the bank. And that's how my financial planning journey started. It was, I feel, Glenn, that was my very first adult decision that I made where I went, it's not feasible for me to just go off to a regional area when I thought I was going to settle down with my husband. I needed to be in a big corporate, mm. find my way through it. And I thought if I worked hard enough, I'll be able to find success. So that was me growing up, I think, at that point. Wow. So how long after being uh, in Australia into your career did you meet your husband? Um, so I met him probably about six years after moving here. Um, and yeah, again, on. he was, I, I guess he was like my choice, like my mom in choice of my dad. Um, he's been um, on paper. He didn't look very uh, appropriate for this uh, good Asian girl. <laughs> My mom was like, if you like older men, why don't you just marry one of your 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 professors? I'm like, what what where does that even come from? But my <laughs> that's Asian parents. Uh but he eleven years older than me, when I met him, I was actually working part-time as a waitress in the restaurant he was managing with his brother. Um and he had been married before. So uh <laughs> every Asian wow. parent's worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, far out. Mom, I've got some news and some baggage. I know. I didn't. Glad we haven't got to the part yet where I just brought him to Singapore and, and surprised him on the family. Oh, that was. Uh... <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, right. And so when um, I guess merging your life with someone at the time who was 11 years older, which is weird yeah. because as you get older, it's not even a big thing. It's just yeah. funny when you're a bit younger, isn't it? Um, what was his money view like compared to yours? Was there much of like, you know, oil and water mixing or were you both pretty chill or the same? Yeah, I think we were living for now. But then I realized, look, when I was with my first long-term partner, who I thought I would get married to, um, I thought, honestly, I wouldn't, like, he's the smart one. He's the structured one. He knew what he wanted. So probably I'll fall back and probably maybe take the care of the role, the family role. Um, and then that kind of switched when I met my husband. Um, both of us had nothing to our name. My mom sent me to Australia without teaching me about budgeting you know, plus all this money wow. that I had to deal with um, to go through my my four years of education at Murdoch University. Um, he lives for now, you know, so he's older than me, but nothing is super because he was um, self-employed a lot of the time. 
yeah, there was like nothing in the bank. Both of us really started from point zero. There was nothing. And I, I feel like I don't know whether it was a bonus for him or not. As soon as he, he got together with me, he was laden with kids. He has debt and now suddenly cash flow is tight. So, you know, before that he had freedom and, and endless nights of partying. So I don't know if it's a good thing. <laughs> so would you say you're more of a saver than a spender and he's the spender? No, actually, that's a weird one. He He's actually more tight than me. He's Dutch, right? So they're renowned for being like really tight. Right. And and he can be yeah. really frugal. But for some reason, I think he's not attached to money the same way that I'm, I wasn't attached to money either. We're very much like money doesn't define who we are. It's about contentment of life. But I also do understand that that can be, mm. a, that's a money block, right? So, you know, that's something I'm working mm. on actively as well. Um, so I think when he applies himself, he actually is someone that would do better with um, actually being a saver, but it's not really demonstrated. For me, because of financial mm. advice, I feel like, Coming into financial advice saved my life financially because I was forced to actually learn what to do that I never got as an education. Um, so mm. it's us trying to bring these two um, together, these concepts. And sometimes he'll tell me, oh, my God, you're such a financial advisor. <laughs> like you're coming back with this, this financial advice terms. It's fascinating because when you are uh, like studying to be a financial advisor and, and you might be early in your career, right, yeah. you are still a person with good or bad spending habits, right? It's mm. that book smart versus actually doing it. And I remember when I was in my mid-20s, you know, starting out as a financial advisor, I'm like, oh, there's some really bad habits here. Mm. I actually need to walk the walk, talk the talk and do everything because I saw myself as, well, if I was a personal trainer, I could not be overweight. Mm. Like mm. I had a responsibility to be good with money yeah. Even though my natural proclivity is to spend every living cent that walks into my door, oh, yes. I'll spend it, oh, I'll have a great time doing it, I actually had to put structure in and we'll, we'll probably talk about my budgeting course and how you all use it in your family after the a uh, little bit later in the podcast, but that whole spending plan was part of my journey as a late 20-year-old to change the behaviour week on week. Mm. Mm. And I think as well, like, I think when you, you talk to people on your podcast and even through your spending plan, I think you've, you're very, you're not quick to say like, I'm this perfect person. And I think even as advisors, I was talking to Amy Baker about that mindset coaching about how advisors put all their stress on themselves that they have to be perfect people and we're definitely imperfect. But I think that's mm. what makes me be able to really also empathize with the person in front of me. Like I tell them, like, I'm not perfect either. Like I understand the struggle. The struggle is real. I'm not one of those natural people that have just like, like, I understand all of this and this is really easy to do, you know. So I do appreciate people like you that it didn't start, like, naturally that there's, there's still – you've put things in place to help you stay on that track. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think the whole thing is it's saying out loud – like, this is Glenn James talking right now – I'm such a crap saver but I'm a fantastic investor <laughs> because mm-hmm. I've set my systems up. So once money goes into an investment account, it's committed. It stays. Yes. And, you know, and you could talk for hours, like you win the behavior, you win the money game. It's as mm. simple as that. Yes. Yes. And I, I wonder as well, like whether, like I've disadvantaged my family by being the main income earner and being more risk adverse. You know, you know, women tend to be more risk adverse, right? And I wonder if mm. there was a man at the helm of our financial journey, whether we would have taken more risks. You know, so for example, I I didn't want an investment property. We had an investment property for a while. I think it happened accidentally as we were, you know, moving through uh, life. And I just thought I'm not comfortable with this much of debt. And I got rid of it, mm. you know. So I thought yeah. I'd much rather 
be putting more money into super and building up a share portfolio without the amount of debt that I have. You know, so I do kind of bear those questions in my mind going, have I held back my family because I've been a bit more conservative with the jobs that I've taken, the job moves I've taken, you know, things like that. Yeah. And I would probably counter that by saying no, because you're not near the line, you're not near the tipping point. And we know one thing in society, if you load up with debt and there's a big market correction or a, an economy gets a runaway like we've had in the last couple of years, if you're loaded with debt, you'll get flushed within months. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Where I think it is prudent not to be on the line. Like I, I've similar view to you. Like I love spending money. Mm. Um, I'm not tight and all that, but I don't love debt. And yeah. I was actually talking to my mortgage broker just last week. And he said, oh, you could borrow, you know, another $2 million if you wanted to. And I'm like, yeah, not doing it. Like, just don't, don't need, like, I don't actually care enough about building the empire and all that stuff. It's like, no, nah, no deal. Because you've got to sleep at night, right? I think you, you've, you've got contentment. I think that's, that's what you have. Like, you, you kind of, I mean, what I observe is that you're comfortable in your own race. Maybe that's the thing about money as mm. well. Sometimes I kind of go, who are you trying to impress with what you're doing? Because in the end, it eats you up. You know, you've got to kind of mm. know that you're, you're okay, right? So if you come to my house, it's not a flash house but I'm happy with my house. So we, we were looking for a house here in the hills in Perth. We could have had a really nice house renovated inside and overlook the city. But I had my in-laws with me. We had an elderly dog and we had three young kids. <laughs> we didn't know where to put them in a smaller house. So we had to go with somewhere practical, right? So an older looking house, a larger, flatter space because we're in the hills. If you go right to the mm. end of the property, you can see the view, but not quite where I want it. But there was a granny flat. Um, you know, for the parents. Um, and I thought I'm willing to wait in my plan to know when I'm actually going to renovate the house. Like I'm not keen to overcapitalize. And if someone comes to my house and they judge me on my house, that's on them. But I think the real friends that you have yeah. are not going to quantify you that way. No. And speaking of the house, I wanted to say like right out today, how old are your kids and are there still 15 people living in the house? <laughs> well, my in-laws have just returned back to Holland, but they actually moved back to Holland, um, I would say maybe three or four years ago. I think that's where I think I yeah. felt the most pressure on my cash flow was that when they yeah. moved in, instead of them renting outside, they were contributing like I think $250 a week to be in a granny flat. So that helped towards overall bills mm. and they were helping with childcare as well. The moment they left, it was like um, no extra income coming in. I mean, it was going with bills. Childcare costs mm. went up and my husband had to drop to four days. And I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so did they come to Australia for a few years just to help with your young kids? Are they the only grandkids? Did they want to try Australia? How long were they here for? So they ended up here being over 10 years, but they first came here with my husband's brother when they opened up the restaurant in right. Fremantle in Perth. And they thought they would have like, some, I think someone told them there was work-life balance in Australia. So hmm. they moved here and bought a restaurant, which was very labor-intensive, right? Yeah. And it Anyone was really in hospitality would say, yes, it's not easy. <laughs> you want a work-life balance, don't buy a hospitality venue. Hospitality. And then, of yeah. course, global financial crisis happened around then as well. Um, so there was a lot of, they came here and originally they were there to support them because they had uh, young grandchildren. And then my husband's brother decided to go back after a number of years because it was not 
feasible. It wasn't the opportunity they thought it would be. Um, but mm. by that time, we knew we were getting married, we we're going to have kids. So they chose to stay, which I think was a difficult choice for them. But I don't think I could have had three kids without their help because I returned to work pretty much three months after giving birth, right? I didn't stop. Um, you know, like I was mm. licensed to be advisor in 2010, but basically the weekend that I found out, um, just after finding out I was going to be going through, the, you know how we got this advisor orientation at the bank before you get licensed? I actually found out I was pregnant as well. Um, so it was a lot. And I was also doing my master's of applied finance. So a lot was being thrown to me at one time and I really do value their help. But then it just came mm. to a point where they did leave to go back and the kids were a little bit mm. older. And now my, my son's uh, 13, my daughter's almost 12, uh, and my youngest is 10. Yeah. And well, at least you're probably feeling like, you know, a 10-year-old is a lot better than a four-year-old. Like, you, you know yes. what I mean? Like the house is not as hectic because they can feed themselves, they can clothe themselves. And, yes. Uh, you're probably getting a bit more of that freedom back. I'm freedom talking back. like I have any idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm sure you've, you've spoken, yeah, too many people have kids and it's, it is painful for a point, right? You see people with younger kids and you go, you know, it gets better, but you do laugh at them because you've done your hard yards. Um, but I think financially, wow, that was, that was a shock to me um, mm. and how we navigated that, you know? So I do things that are yeah. maybe a bit irrational, right? You know, so how, how I hide money for myself, Glenn, is that I, I actually salary sacrifice quite a bit um, and I... Um, which I know according to your spending plan, you may <laughs> think it's a bit counter, but I hide money for myself. And I also don't claim the $18,000 tax-free threshold. I, I actually hide stuff for right. myself. So I actually, I know, again, I know I could be earning more if it was in accounts, but I literally hide money for myself. So if something does happen to my cash flow, I know there are things I can actually pull straight away to loosen things up. Yeah, there's a deep psychology thing there, isn't there? And yeah. I'm not saying that you're wrong. So you might judge me. You're like, mm. <laughs> well, no, I, I just, I want to, I just want to camp there a bit because, like, we all do irrational stuff. Yeah. Like you would say, well, why not have an emergency fund, which you probably got as well, right? But yeah. maybe it is that extra layer of security that you feel that you need, and a little dopamine hit if you get some extra money. Yes. So it's, okay. So this is the thing. When, I, when I'm with my clients, I take true interested <laughs> strategies with myself. Uh, yeah. And a con- another controversial thing I've put my emergency accounts in shares. Um, controversial. Yeah. Okay. But it's been okay so far. Hey, if the shoe fits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but like, okay, we all lay in the bed we make for ourselves, right? Yes. Yeah. And if you had your emergency fund in the market, and an emergency happened, yep. you may have a little less money than what you would have had if it was in cash. But And you say that out loud and you're like, yep, I'm okay with that. Yeah. It's liquid and you've taken that risk. Yes. And, and okay, and to be fair as well, I think that was my old strategy, you know, after doing your spending plan and I'm like, okay, this is dawn 2024, we're going to actually... <laughs> differently because the emergency <laughs> the emergency account took a hit it took a very big hit from various things like removing trees um you know um family members being unwell um you know things like that that happen in close succession you know um termites i don't know nothing fun happens in this phase of your life you know like you spend ten thousand to remove a tree i don't even i didn't even know the tree was there Jeez. so it's <laughs> just yeah. like, you know and you think about it and and your emergency funds can actually deplete really quickly um, so that's why I'm just mm. like, okay, focus for 2024 is actually I need to build up 
my emergency funds again. And I, that's why I did the spending plan with my son because I thought I'm going to have someone else with me. So we are accounter buddies, but maybe Mm -hmm. he can, you know, we can talk about it. We can talk about it so that we are setting ourselves a new way forward because you can't really be doing the same thing all the time. Like stuff has changed. The environment has changed. You Mm. know, our needs as a family have changed. So, um, yeah, I, that's where, you know, that's where I'm heading. Yeah. So you've got the three kids. Yes. Is it a three or four bedroom house or is one out in the granny flat? One of the kids. Yeah. It's a four, four by one in the main house. And then it's a one by one in the, um, granny flat. And he's one of the, he's the eldest out in the granny flat or? Not yet. I think that's going to, my husband and I feel we want to move to the granny flat. So we have, we talk about our plans. Yeah. Yeah, We talk about our plans in terms of what we would do to the house to make it more like, like us for us. Um, And I think that we've already spoken to the kids about the fact that they're probably going to live with us for a long time and that's okay. Like we don't mind them Mm. living at home for them to build wealth. So as long as we know that they've got a strong strategy in place and I've already told them what the target deposit is on a house. We've spoken about all those things. So I've told them what the target needs to be and what we're saving towards. I have no problem with them staying at home. Um, But I just need to Mm. see the evidence that they're actually putting that money away towards that goal. Mm. Yeah. And I'll ask you a bit more about um, how you're working with the kids around money. Mm. You talked about uh, investing in your emergency funds and what, and I was just thinking, you don't have an emergency fund. You've got emergency funds. Um, <laughs> no, changing what, is evolving. Um, Glenn is evolving. I just, it's evolving. I just, it's evolving situation. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's cool. So how do you invest your, uh, super and your shares in your own name? Like what's your high level strategy for investing? Yeah. So I've, I've actually, um, I'm in an ethical fund. I don't know if I'll get crucified for saying that. You might you might get crucified in WA for saying that. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's it's a right. There's big holes over there. Yeah. I know. I, I keep it to myself that that's where I'm invested. Yeah, um, yeah high growth strategy. Um, and for me, I like set and forget. Um, so I've already, you know, yep. on back end, I know how much I'm putting in extra. I've done analysis of what I need for retirement. So I, I kind of know what I'm tracking towards. So I know that set and forget retirement sorted. So I just have to figure out the stuff um, in between now and retirement. That's the way I see it. Um, and yep. in terms of our personal shares, it's a combination of like an index fund, um, high growth index fund, balanced off with a ethical objective fund as well. So I'll just kind of blend it out. Again, keep it simple. Yeah. And that uh, account in your own name, is that a joint account with your husband? Do you have individual ones? Yeah, we have our own individual ones. Um, and yep. yeah, so... I'm trying to encourage him to actually put more in there. And I think that's why I want to change in 2024 is that I feel like I have to be the driver of the emergency funds and Mm. the shares and what's going to super. And I'm just like, I can't do this on my own. Not to say that he doesn't, but it's just that he looks after other bills. And I feel like, um, you know, I think both parties need to be putting money away, maybe in different amounts into the emergency funds and into what we're growing together. Um, I think that's, again, that's kind of what I'm evolving in 2024. And I'm hoping to use my children to help me with that <laughs> because they're like, mm, they're the yeah. Switzerland part of the house. They're neutral, you know? So <laughs> with couples, <laughs> with couples, you know, people can be stubborn. And even if you're a financial advisor, it's no different. You know, couples sometimes don't want to take advice from each other. So um, yeah, that's what I, it's separate accounts. And I, even with our banking 
Um, I've got a mortgage uh, that allows for multiple offsets. I think we've got nine offsets. So each of us effectively can yeah, cool. um, set up our cash flow within each of those offsets. Um, so I haven't been able to convince him to have a shared fixed account. Should I tell him that Glenn right. James said I should be doing so as per the spending plan? So I haven't been able to convince him, well, but on my end. <laughs> I, and, and this is the whole thing. Like my spending plan, it yeah. is... It's not the way, it's a way. And my own view is, you know, if you are married in terms of the law, you don't have your own money. Yeah. Now, I'm probably a big advocate and I am a big advocate of potentially some emergency funds that are kept in our own name separate, yeah. Yeah. more for protection to stop any controlling rubbish or if you need to escape. Mm. But, you know, superficial, I'll say superficial, quote unquote, an account that is a clearance house for bills year on year, I just think it makes sense for all salary to go in there, all bills to come out of there, and an amount goes to each other's card for weekly expenses or whatever. And, Mm. you know, the best compliment I get is, oh, we did your spending plan, we'll really encourage and we tweaked it this way. I'm like, sweet. Like, Whatever works, works. Uh, but that's just my own personal hookup that, yeah, if, if I was to get married and merge my money with someone, it would be shared um, because, well, we, are we half married or are we all in this together? Mm. And there's a lot of people listening who don't share money with their married spouse who think that statement's offensive. Um, that's fine to disagree. It's healthy if you disagree with me. This is not a cult. I'm not a cult leader. Um, that's just my view. And if if it works for you and your family, awesome. I don't earn it and I don't spend it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you need to have a plan. I think that's a point. And also that's the thing. be able to yeah. talk about it. I think that the difficulty is not being able to talk about money and that causes a lot of stress mm. in a relationship. So I think it's it's more, like I said, 2024 is where I'm like, Let's be open-minded. Let's try something different because I know sometimes you can't mm. can't just rely on the same thing. Look, I'm comfortable with my superannuation strategy because superannuation can largely be a set and forget strategy if you set it up right. Um, yeah, and then the compounding and everything else does its work. Like you don't have to fidget with it too much. Um, so that is, you know, that's fine in the background and talking about that. But there's a lot of things that happen from day-to-day life that sometimes you don't, you're not always being able to plan for. Then you kind of go, okay, can I put it into the budget, you know, so like I said to you, I did the, the spending mm. plan with my, um, with my son over the weekend. And then I got my income protection renewal. <laughs> I'm like, it's gone up. <laughs> now I've got to put it back into my spending plan. I'm so annoyed because there's <laughs> they're changing my cat. And I'm just like, hmm, do I, you know, it, 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 it's an evolving thing. Um, and yeah, I think it's, with, it's a living document. It's a living document. And, um, I think with, with partners, I mean, for me, definitely being, Coming from a woman's perspective and understanding how important it is to have your own money, I think it's like I understand the partnership my husband and I have. Like I understand and value the work that he has. So he may not earn as much as me, but I do not value him any less. And it's very clear in our household that this is a shared responsibility. So I think about if I was a woman, what would I want? And I want the independence, you know, so that's where the accounts are separate because we should be able to have independence in our money and feel like, we're contributing in the way we can. So we are across what each other pays in bills. That's totally transparent. We know how much each other earns. 
but then it's us, it's up to us to kind of manage that within our own ways, you know, to give you a little bit of that independence and maybe still feeling like you're contributing the way that you want to for the family. Yeah. And and that's it. Like your system, if it works, it is the best system in the world. Because mm. if it's not working, we'll change it. Yeah. But if it is working, awesome. It works. But I think you're probably right with the communication thing, being able to talk about it is half the battle. Yeah. More than half the battle. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and get into some more trouble right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Okay, we are back and just a little bit of housekeeping this week. Uh, We are announcing John's book, Sort Your Property Out and Build Your Future. This book, it is thick, it is chunky. Everything that you wanted to know about property, everything that you need to know about property is in this little, well, it's a big green book and we are going to go on tour. So if you're in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide or Perth, Come along to one of the shows, one of the property seminars in March. You can head to sortyourpropertyout.com. There's tickets there. You can buy a book from there. I'm not recording any live episodes at the events. We're just talking about property. There'll be a mortgage broker there talking about structures and all the good things. But uh, yeah, just a shout out to John for putting this amazing resource together. Sort your property out and build your future. If you're spending 800 grand on a property... Well, maybe spend 30 bucks on a book and spend a couple of hours learning. I don't know, going out on a limb. You might learn something. And if it's not John's book, buy another property book. You know what I mean? Like just that's my kind of statement, my carve out. Um, if, you're, if you're spending that much money, far out, like slow down and try and learn one or three things first. And they'll probably do with housekeeping because I don't have the document open and I forgot to open it earlier. So we're back with Dawn. So what do you think the best financial thing is in your life that you've ever done? Yeah, earning my own income. I think as a woman, I've never given up Mm. that power. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts my mom has given me is she's always told me since young, you've got to earn your own money. 
She was very aware of what coercive control could look like, and that's what she didn't want for herself. So financial independence was always a thing. Um, I like to stay in my marriage out of choice. I choose to be with my husband every day. I'm, I'm very lucky to not be in a scenario where I'm stuck in a marriage because I could be homeless if I don't. So that mm. for me is, is, you know, something that it's really important for me to share with, um, you know, young women, with my daughter, um, is like you, you just can't give up your power, you know, just knowing the stats that are out there. Yeah, that's something that I hold on to. Mm. Yeah. And it's fascinating because people might be thinking and we're all a product of our past and our mm. heritage and culture and all that. People might be thinking, oh, the best thing I ever did was saved up and bought a car with cash. <laughs> I mean, your best thing is your best thing. And it's so raw and cool to hear that non, I'll say a non-tangible best thing. Yeah. Like, because if you're financially independent, well, you can attack anything, right? Mm. You come up against anything. It's about survival, Glenn. Like when it comes down to women and the stats around domestic violence, financial abuse, it's survival. You know, so I don't mince my words when I'm talking to young people about it. It's a very serious thing, you know. So money has very joyful connotations to it, but the ugly side of it is that it can be used to really control you, you know. So it's it's like I just tell women, don't give up your superpower. You need to have those discussions in a relationship about where your career is going, don't assume that you're the one that has to give up your career, you know, between two partners, both of you could go part-time, you know, figure out if it is a myth that childcare is going to be more expensive because there is a cost, mm -hmm. you know, um, it, there is a cost that we see now that relate to women above 60 being the largest growing demographic of people facing homelessness in Australia. It doesn't happen from one event. It's mm -hmm. a series of things that happens and suddenly you're without home. Or you're having to stay in a relationship that you don't feel safe in, you know. Mm. At the end of last year, I was really shook. I watched an episode, I think it's on Foxtel called The Twelve, and it's about, um, uh, it's a procedural court drama. It was Australian. And, yeah, there was a story there of a lady who was effectively trapped in a relationship. And yeah. it was just so real. And, yeah, far out. It's just yeah. so good that we are talking about this. Um, because I just think it would be the worst thing ever in the world. In fact, if there was someone listening who did feel trapped, like what would you say to them if we use this as a PSA? Yeah, there are fantastic resources that are out there. You know, one that I would I would suggest is your, your toolkit. Um, and whether it's financial abuse or domestic uh, abuse, I mean domestic abuse has, has various forms, you know, there's emotional, there's physical, there's financial mm. Um, that resource will um, allow you to, to go into the website and actually look at your particular situation in terms of what you're going through and the resources available in terms of help, funding, you know, what you need to do next, how you can actually get out of the relationship if that's happening, if it's actually um, come to a point of danger. So your toolkit is a really, really mm. important resource um, that, that you can refer to. Um, if it's safe enough for you to challenge decisions that are happening in the house around money, you know, ask the question and mm. understand, like, you can't be kept in the dark with what's happening with the money. We've seen older people come to a point where they don't even know how to use an ATM card because, um, you know, their spouse might have told them that they're incapable of actually doing that. And they start cutting themselves out of all these areas of independence. Mm. And that could be, you know, for people that are looking at coupling up in the future, mm. if we flip it the other way, like some red flags early on, 
I don't know enough to make any big comments other than just be aware uh, before you go into relationships of what to look out for. Yes. You know, if, if someone's getting you to take on debt for them, making mm. you pay them off, like those are dangerous situations. Like it's a good thing. Like it's one thing to to love somebody for who they are, but the money conversation needs to come in. You need to put your cards on the table and go, um, you know, look, if you've entered with debt, like, it doesn't make you a bad person. It's like, okay, what's the plan forward then as a couple if you're going to go for it? What can you do differently as a couple? Um, you know, have you mm. talked about what's going to happen when you do have kids? Because it shouldn't be assumed that one person's going to pick up a particular role over the other. You know, these things need to be discussed earlier on because I think once you're in the thick of it, it's really difficult. It's really difficult to deal with it. So, you know, for example, like I say, my dad was a smoker till the day he died. Um, from 15, very staunch smoker. And my mom could never get him to stop because when she was in the marriage, what was she going to do? She was not going to leave him over smoking. He had like a triple bypass when he was 49. I saw tubes coming out of his chest and he still tried to fight a cigarette <laughs> at the hospital. Gosh. Um, yeah, I know. He was like, oh, he was a staunch supporter of cigarettes. And, um, and for me, that was a learning with relationships. So the first thing I told my husband, he was a smoker. I said, I'm not getting married to any smokers. I said, before I'm actually going to end up in that situation where I can't unwind things and you've got kids, I'm just going to lay out to you my deal breakers because I'd rather know up front. Yeah. yeah. By the time you've got kids and all that, you've got Were to- Were there make- any other deal breakers that you said to him that you can share? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, stop being such a party boy. You know? <laughs> He's Dutch. <laughs> like, sorry, you want to have this life. You've got to slow down a little bit. <laughs> That's- Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he did. And to his credit, I need you. I need you to have energy to handle me, baby. <laughs> Yeah, but I do tell him, I said to him, I said, I'm 11 years younger. I said, I've not had this. Let's find myself. I've been in Spain for six months, you know, like met all these girls. I said, I went straight from university into working and having three of your big headed kids. You know, I've done all of that with no stopping. So I say, if at some point when I get to a point that I'm going to be like party on because I'm younger and I've got energy, that's going to happen. But, you know, (laughs) just, Mm. you know, I think that's the thing, like, we, we all have our experiences. We're doing it for the love of it together. And I think sometimes it's really quite interesting how, like even my mom will come by and go, oh, he's so great. You know, he does the washing and he takes care of the whole family. And I'm like, mom, he does not need a medal. Like women do not get medals for doing no. stuff like that every day. <laughs> but yet anyone that hears that my husband does all this stuff, um, they're like, oh my God, just give him Nobel Peace Prize right now just because he's done all this stuff. And it's not like I'm talking down to him with that. Like we both contribute to the family in the way that we 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 are comfortable with together, right? We work together. But it's just really fascinating how he gets a pat on the back from women and he gets judged by men. So men have questioned his masculinity for the role that he plays in our family. I mean, that for him as well as a man, he needs to find his own value in that it's, it's a tough thing when men totally. want to contribute. Yeah. Someone I know, you know, she's the main income earner. They've just decided this year that her husband will be the full-time carer, mm. stay-at-home dad. Yeah. It's funny. She is shocked because she's worried about the judgment from other women. Oh. For like traveling for work, mm. um, running around. Yes. But it's just like... Everyone just stick to your own lane, like your budget. If someone's doing their budget, not yes. the way that Glenn James thinks, it's okay. Like, <laughs> Look, Glenn says you can do care. it differently. You know, he did say that. Like, I'm just saying, the Glenn that I saw in the course said you can do it different ways. <laughs> yeah, so it's just, I don't know. 
you just got to have grace for people. And if it work, if something works for them, let them go. It's not yeah. your life. It's not your life. It's really like a couple's decision within the family. I think it's a great role modeling for my daughters and my sons to see different roles. And I think for women, mm. you know, I've got asked multiple times, like, who's looking after the kids? You know, I don't know how many times men are actually asked that question at work, you know, that, yeah, who's, you're here. So who's looking after the kids? Oh, you've got kids. So who's looking at, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just wonder, we could actually mm. get that out there as in, you know, are you asked that at work if you're a guy, you know, but I can tell you, I've been asked that multiple times, um, that you've got to ex- you find yourself explaining yourself, you know. I, I suppose you don't really have to. You just to. say, oh, I'm not sure. I think they're just looking <laughs> after themselves. <laughs> yeah, what children? <laughs> yeah. And, I know, there, there's a list of chores. I said I'll be back in two hours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but the kids as well, like they are, um, they rely on my husband to tuck them in at night and give them a kiss. They don't rely on me because they know that I am and I go to bed early and I wake up early. So they come to my room and give me a kiss. Then they go off to their rooms and um, and then he will settle them in. Right. So if I travel for work, they don't, they actually don't miss me in that sense. Um, and they're used to the fact that they have him to go to for those things, but it means that we do different things together. And I think whether you're, if you're mm. outside the norm as, as a couple in a family situation, um, people might not understand. But I think like you said as well, mm. I think for your own self, if it feels right within your family, it's working right for your family. Like it's, it's, it's fine. Shut up. It's, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. Just, that's, <laughs> you just got to yeah. drawing out those voices. You know, we talk about like investing in herd mentality. It's almost like yeah. the social herd mentality of this isn't a social norm, mm. so it's not right. Yeah. It's like, well, no, it works for us, so shut up. Yes, and that's right. I think you've got to kind of shake off that pressure even financially, you know, a number of times people come in and they say they want an investment property because someone told them they should. But it was just like that. Like you said, you know, before you purchase, read a book, you know, read, read a good book, yeah. put a bit more time into it yeah. than rather than someone someone told me told me that. I'm like, why, why do you want to do it? I mean, what are you trying to achieve? You know, so we have those conversations even in the office just going, but why? We ask, but why? You know, we're, mm. we're not doing it to be annoying, but we want to understand what's the driver. Mm. You know, TMI for everyone, but whatever. I've I've been seeing a psychologist again just to like yeah. chat it out. Yeah. And um, sometimes they'll say like, oh, what do you think about this? Like, oh, I actually don't know. Like, have you actually thought about what you want to do? Yeah. And that can take some time to get to that bedrock. Yes. It's like you don't have to buy any investment property. You just pump super. Just keep out of debt, spend less than what you earn and... You know, find out what you want to do. Yes. And if you're in a relationship, what does the couple want to do? And Chelsea Pottinger, who was on our show a couple of weeks ago, her and her husband, they do like individual goals, they do couple goals, they do Mm. family goals. And, yeah, I think it's just find out what you want to do. Yeah, but my husband's a bit sassy, so I'm working on that one. He just sort of shoots down. (laughs) He shoots down some of these ideas that he thinks are just (laughs) – Coming from my or oh, you and your financial advice world, so I have. I'm just. I said the, the the children are going to get in there, and and have these ideas yeah, presented yeah, as yeah. theirs. You know, I've, I've found a way to kind of <laughs> do that. Is he? What type of like work does he do? What's his he, occupation? Yeah, he works at a university in the career center. He's actually very oh, very cool. good at his job. Um, he, yeah. he just yeah, it's just that he 
I think he was meant to be like a CEO of his own company. So he's just a CEO of our house. Yeah. That's fine. He's, he is the CEO of this house. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> I should send him some career books to give out to students. Oh, yeah, he would love it. Yeah, honestly, he's very passionate yeah. about helping um, kids find where they need to go to next. Um, yeah. You know, I think we, we definitely share that in common um, with mm. with how that is. Uh, but definitely, if you think, yeah, it's a it's a different kind of a lane from financial advice where, you know, you've been in that world as well. It can be very full on. Mm. Um, and then when people ask you, what do you want out of life? It's... Um, it's hard. It's hard to even go with people be like, what's your five-year plan? You know, if you come from a banking background, you're supposed to know what the one-year, two-year, six-month, three-year plan is exactly where you're going to be. And I'm okay with saying, look, my ship is going in a general direction. Um, and I, the way I check in with myself is that, am I happy? Am I happy to get out of work? Do I like the people that I work for? Do I love what I do? And if all mm. those things are yes, 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 that's it. the ship is going in the right direction. I, I so agree with you. I'm more about direction mm. than individual landmarks. Yeah. Because a direction, there is more grace if things can slightly change. Yeah. And That's my right. direction is I build wealth. Mm. Okay, how do I do that? I just shovel. I just shovel into ETFs or whatever. Oh, if something changed, okay, I can pause that and reassess. But my direction is I build wealth. Yes. And, you know, like, okay, this might sound bit left of center but you know the universe does throw things at you and mm. you've got to be open to say yes when it comes your way you don't know what's actually going to happen in the next hour or the next day someone could connect into your mm. message and provide you an opportunity you didn't even consider that you know so that's not part mm. of the plan that you could have worked out so i guess when you're presented mm. that even in your if we're thinking about money and purpose right we think of a job as something that can give you joy and purpose, not as something you just have to drag yourself to work every day, is that firstly, I would say, find that joy. But you never know when you're attracting the right things into your life, what's in store for you, mm. you know? Yeah. So what are you most excited about? Well, I'm excited about a lot of things in 2024, Glenn. <laughs> it's the, the year like of... What? <laughs> like what? I know. Okay, look, 2024... Let's see, I say, uh, and a highlight was doing the budget with my son because I feel like you know he's growing up more and he's getting like more muscles and stuff. He's more like a, he's more like a man, and I thought that's a new thing in my relationship that that I've actually got a buddy and I want to bring my daughter into that conversation as well. So I thought, okay, I'll do it with one, bring it to them, and I just look forward to integrating my kids more into those money conversations. Um, and as a as like as an overall focus, I'm just focused on young people and money, right? So um, I'm, mm. I've picked up my studies on young people and superannuation. I'm actually studying the initial experience of Generation Z with their superannuation. With this, the aim is to actually, if we better understand what they're going, then we know how to support them better moving forward. Because again, superannuation is so easy if you set it up right at the start and it's painless. It's just, you know, it, it does its thing. Um, and being able to actually help more parents have those conversations with their kids around, mm. you know, different financial concepts. So I think 2024 is going to be a, a lot of that. If there was a parent listening and they have kids that are, you know, your age, like 13, 12, 10, mm. you had a busy uh, few <laughs> years there, really compressed all that I know. chaos, didn't you? <laughs> Got it all out of the way. I didn't. I didn't even have a spreadsheet for it. 
That's right. You know, my cousin had a, a, a he yeah. had project managed spreadsheet, all the things he needed with kids before he had kids. I just had them. <laughs> I was like, it'll work out later. You just went for it. <laughs> I just went for it. I'm and sure it we'll have a solution. <laughs> yeah. So if someone was listening and they do have 13, 12, 10s, 11s, and they haven't commenced the money discussion yet Mm -hmm. because there is a tipping point of age appropriate and all that stuff. Yeah. Like what would you say for a preteen or early teen to someone to start the conversation? I think firstly, you've got to identify how each of your kids relates to money because you can't have one approach, the same approach to each of them. They're all going to be a bit different. My eldest is very interested in money and it's easier to talk to him about money and he gets it. So it's easier for me, right? So the the temptation is that I spend more time talking to him about it and not my daughter. My daughter, for example, is very trustworthy. She's like, mama, I know you're investing my money for me. Doesn't need to even want to know what's in. She's just like, yep. You know, I we say 50% of what they get needs to go in to be long-term investing um, because they know what their goal is. We said that that's their house deposit that they want to aim for. Um, and I got my daughter to do the financial literacy test with Hilda and she did the worst out of my three kids. And I just felt like a horrible parent and I'm a financial advisor researching this stuff. And I have fallen part of all this bias with my daughter. So that's, that was a big realization for me. It's like, okay, I can't go with the easiest path forward. I'm going to fail her not to guilt parents or guilt mothers because we've got enough mother's guilt already being thrown at us. Just saying that you need to think of a different approach, you know? So for her, um, I am sitting down with her and thinking of ways of maybe not having my risk aversion that I I had maybe at her age. So for example, like poker, Mm -hmm. a game of risk and maybe looking at how you view people. I told her she couldn't be paired up with me. You can't be paired up with the person that has the same almost personality profile as you. I said, you're going to end up having the same. I said, I need to put you next to the person that's the riskiest, the opposite of me to do that. Um, and then she did really well at poker. She has a poker face. So like she's doing miles better than I <laughs> did. Because I'm just like, no, gambling, gambling, you don't win in gambling. I'm just like, I'd just this rather is, have a drink and watch I, someone uh, this, else. <laughs> this conversation is so wild. We've got an advisor who's investing their emergency fund, teaching their kids to gamble. No, okay. uh, anything else we want to cover? I know, don't judge me on the, the emergency fund. It's just that... <laughs> No, see, I told I'm, I'm you, it's, it's I, I just love poking fun. You know, <laughs> I know, I know. No, I'm, I don't care what, I, I honestly don't care what anyone does. <laughs> so Just makes her, like, good entertainment, don't. <laughs> I know, okay, I'm, see, I'm letting you in, right? This is like the raw stuff. So I know, like I failed as a mother. But you yeah. know one thing one of the mums actually told me no, was she didn't. was like, what about mental load? Like, what about mental load that you feel like, this is too much for me, I'm handling everything in the household and my partner's better with money, so they're just going to handle that. You know, and that I think kind of came down a little bit with my daughter that if it's going to be a bit harder for me and I've got so much of the day, I'm just not going to try as hard. And I'm, I really feel embarrassed to say that, but I'm taking you through the honest, the on how I've come to that point and why I'm trying to change it is that we can't use mental load as an excuse for women because of the stats. Like we have a passive system like superannuation, the retirement system was based on the assumption that you have a main income earner that's usually the man and you stay together as a couple and that's sort of how it works and everyone will be by the day. You know, your daughters have a different pathway. Question, mm. it's the one boy and two girls or is it boy, girl, boy? Boy, girl, boy. Yeah, okay, so the girl, she's 12. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Have you thought, like just around this, uh, and I'm just literally – 
throwing crap out that I haven't thought of 10 seconds ago. I love it, yeah. When I did the investing for kids thing, we talked about one of the options was to set up a super account for a child. Mm. Like, do you think from a just a 101 future-proof this young woman, if she's not engaged yet or whatever, that I'm putting five, six, seven, whatever it is, into a super account in her name and I'm doing that because that's appropriate for you as my daughter, you're not Mm. as engaged as the boys. We know the stats around um, superannuation balances for women. Like have you thought about doing something like that for her only? No, she's actually, look, she's leading the way in their share portfolio at the moment Mm. out of three because she's been giving me the money. So it's more the, you know, when we did the financial literacy test, we test, you know, money illusion, which is inflation, diversification, growth assets. Mm. She got three out of five. And this is a test that's usually given to 15-year-olds and above. Um, you know, Can so, you email that to me as well? And we'll yeah, put it in yeah, the show it, notes. Yeah, yeah. So I'll give it to you. So Hilda, you know, um, when they do their survey of Australians, that's one of the questions they put in the survey overall. That's how they measure financial right. literacy at different age groups. Um, and and right. the wealth designers, when, yeah, right. we have this Start Well program for children of our clients. I issued the financial literacy test to them at the end of our session. Here it is, the fair. sales pitch. <laughs> No, there's still still. This is it was it was for our clients, but they're our guinea pigs, right? So we say, "Oh, this is yeah. guinea pigs. My children are guinea pigs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your children, are, any any child that comes in my way is a guinea pig because we don't know the solution. We're just working it out. But mm. I just thought, why, you know, for me again, if I think I'm so um, focused on this, and then my daughter could score three out of five, and this is after the session, right? This is after my my son scored, mm. my eldest scored five out of five, and the youngest scored four out of five, and that's where mm. I went. Okay, I think I can't just go with. She can just forget and set too easily. I think I need to spend a bit more time in certain concepts. I think that was my my trigger. Yeah, and I'm thinking as well, like maybe it is more of not a detailed person. She gets it big feature, yeah, I'm yeah. just not going to sit around and look at the details all day. I don't know. It's, um, no, it could yeah, resonate and look, with that. No, it could. It could. But so I think I'm, I'm thinking of like how do I best communicate with her? Like I so said, I don't have all the answers. I think as parents, you just kind of go mm. with the flow and I'm just, it's you know, it's my reflections on that piece and I, I already see her discounting her work because she earns extra mm. money from doing pedicures for my husband. My husband being Dutch will negotiate her right down and then she'll be like, oh, Papa's work really hard. So I'm going to give him this discount. And I start yelling at her. I'm like, don't you dare discount your work. I'm like, it's already starting now. And I'm just like, don't you dare. And then, and then she's like, nobody's he's worked so hard. For-. I'm like, I don't care how hard it works for the family. If there's an agreed price, <laughs> I just can't. I lose it. That's how I get upset so with my I'm daughter. Go- okay, Dawn, <laughs> I'm going to Google why yeah. are Dutch people known to be tight? <laughs> Let's see what Google says. <laughs> oh, I know, it's, it's benign. The Netherlands <laughs> is a small country with a lot of people, so they have to be efficient and make the best use of their resources. Uh, one phrase that always comes up is going Dutch, which means that each person pays for his or herself, and that's from Learn Dutch Online. Um, Look, okay, I'm not, listen, okay, it's, this is, I will tell you, a Dutch person is, it, they can be, not that I'm speaking for all Dutch people, I'm surrounded by a number of them, but 
like that. They yeah. they actually see it as a really good thing, right? Because for them, it's like you take my husband for a bargaining in Asia. My goodness, for him, it's a sport. He's like, oh, send me out there. Like you know, I'm like, oh, it's like, oh, I'm the gonna get you a deal. Yeah, I'm gonna here. I'm gonna hunt. I'm gonna hunt, baby. I'm gonna come back with the best deal. I'm just like, can we just have fixed price, please? This is exhausting. I'm just I can't negotiate. Yeah. I said, I can't do this haggling. Can oh, we just come man. to the fair price? You know, so, um, and that's where I think my third child, um, the youngest one, he has like, he, he's very wild with his expenditure in the way that he just wants to spend money. It's not necessarily what he wants to buy. So I'm very controlling of what he actually spends. Um, he has to run his mm. decisions by me because I almost feel for him. It's like, you've got to slow it down. You've got to slow it down to get him to think about yeah. what that means. One thing I'm, you know, in my personal life been working on, a lot of our behaviours, like they've actually just become habit Mm -hmm. and I just wonder as a child if I was taught the habit of this, I wouldn't be doing that. And I was saying to the psychologist, it's almost like I've done this thing if I'm anxious, for example. I I withdraw or whatever if I'm anxious. But now because I've done it so much, it is just more of a habit loop Mm. and... I don't know. It's just, it's been a very interesting time to, yeah, look at the habits and I'm going through, yeah, an ADHD diagnosis and I'm just wondering, it's like the impulsiveness Mm. that I have. Like I was listing all the stuff that I bought. It's wild. Yeah. And it's just because I've had the money. Yes. And it was impulsive. A lot of that is, you know, imagine if it is habit with ADHD impulsiveness, Mm. like it's not a good time. Uh, I've just been fortunate enough to know my natural proclivity and put the guide rails on that years ago. Mm. So now I'm trying to actually get down to the bedrock and rebuild all that stuff. Anyway, you didn't ask for the podcast about me. (laughs) No, no, but it's true. The guide rails, I think that's the thing. Like I think about how I don't trust Mm. myself. That's why I literally put money away and I need a system. Yeah, know, out of like, sight, out of mind. Yep. Correct. As much as I say that I'm like a chaotic person, I actually need to have structure on the underlying bit so I can be chaotic and I don't worry. I think that's the thing. Like I can be as creative and big and random as I can be knowing that there's actually a safe, there's the safe foundation that's set there. That that gives me that peace of mind to sleep mm. at night. Um, and, and I think as well, when you're working within a partnership, um, you can rub off on each other, right? You know, I know that my, especially my early days of my career, my husband would sometimes ask me like, why are you accepting being pushed around this way at the workplace? Why are you accepting less? Mm. Because in his mind, he would never accept less, um, especially with my background, mm. Asian background, being less confrontational. Um, you know, you're like, oh, I don't want to rock the boat. This is really stressful. So you're like, <laughs> you know, you don't want to negotiate. Um, you're, you're, really, mm. you're really avoiding that, anything that's confrontational and negotiation, but that kind of holds you back money-wise. And then there's that belief, you know, so we're all, I think we're constantly working on ourselves, Glenn. Like we're trying to undo a lot of the stuff that's happened to us when we were young so we can just function better. Yeah. Look, time has flown. <laughs> um, it really, it really has. Is there anything else that you wanted to say that maybe we didn't get to? Um, I think if you... Definitely our parent in listening in, like it's never too early to have conversations with them. And I know that the um, reason why we've brought up the spending plan a few times is like, look, I'm a financial advisor. 
but I want to do something different with my kids. And I, I literally sat down and went through it. And I, it actually made me feel really good about what we've, we've had. And we can actually mm-hmm. talk in a way about all the ins and outs of the house. You know, I really believe that kids can be a way to help you with the cost of living pressures at the moment. Because instead of you trying to explain why you can't afford this and, and they don't have context, when you look at that spreadsheet, you can really see what's coming in. You can see what's going out. Do you give your kids full visibility of the household income or just their little um, budget? So when you're doing the spending plan with your eldest son? Yeah, everything, everything. I honestly felt good. Yeah, and I was talking to someone the other day about you know sharing money with kids and they weren't 100% comfortable. I'm like, okay, don't share the income size, just mm. show the children the expenses. Like mum's, and this was a single mum, mum's mm. got to pay this much each week. I've got to pay $600 in rent. I've got to pay $100 in this and just show them the expenses so they can understand the gravity of, mm. you know, managing money. Yeah. Look, I, I, don't, I don't know. I know that I think money is a funny topic. I, I feel that some people, they don't want to be transparent for whatever reason, right? Like I say, whatever is your way is your way. I felt comfortable doing it, right? And like to, to the point where, look, we have a, um, my husband buys, you know, tin tomatoes that need a can opener. You know, you can have the, you know how you can have tins that you just flip open, which I like, but I think there's a difference of like 60 cents. <laughs> no, no. Okay? Yeah. You won't no. do it? <laughs> yeah. No. So he does not believe that it's worth the expense for me to, <laughs> to be able to just do this. I don't know what I'm saying. Like, I'm trying to open it with a can opener because I struggle with a can opener. It's just an ongoing life struggle that yeah. I have. So when I told this to my son yeah. and my son was like, no, mama, I'll just open it for you. Like Papa has a point. And I was like, he was very diplomatic. Like he didn't say that, no, you're being like dramatic for not wanting to open a can. I'm just thinking about the efficient use of my time while I'm cooking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but he could see both sides, you know, and I thought this whole tomato mm. can situation discussion with my husband has never had a resolution to that point when I had the third party <laughs> step in as my child. Well, you do have Switzerland and I reckon one thing you may have felt, if you try and explain what you're doing to a child, they will ask you questions and some of the simplest questions, you might have struggles in answering that. And that's a really good exercise. Like when I sat down with my niece and said, oh, there's an investment account here. Yeah. She's like, oh, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, what do you mean? What does yeah. it mean? Like it's shares. It's shares. <laughs> She's like, what are they? You're like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like you've got this, suddenly you've got the patience to kind of look at it a different way, almost like you're seeing it through their eyes. And I think that's what I enjoy. If, you know, any parents listening to it, I'll just say, um, you know, the things that you might think are adult based, even the books that you've released, Glenn, like there's a lot of good finance books out there. Why don't you just read that with your kids and ask them what they think? Um, and you have your thoughts, mm. like make that a share thing. I mean, they can also download audio books, right? Like if, if that's not their thing to sit down and read, or if you think you're a parent, you're busy, you know, I'm starting to get to my audio books when I drive, um, you know, so it's, it's, you know, you can find a way to kind of incorporate it in and just make it that time with each other because parents have, um, research says that parents have actually one of the greatest influences on the kids, you know, so, you know, mm. forget trying to wait for the schools to get around to it, or that they find that somehow when they're older, you've got a lot of power in yourself to give them a right journey Mm. right now. So, yeah, that's just my parting statement. Absolutely. Well, you've heard it here, everyone. (laughs) Dawn Thomas from The Wealth Designers. And fun fact, everyone, 
At the end of last year, Dawn won Industry Thought Leader of the Year <laughs> at the IFA Awards. That were the awards I went to. And she also won the IFA Excellent Award Individual, the Award of the Awards. So congratulations on, um, on that. And also... Two of my friends were in the Thought Leader Award and yeah. James Millard's been on this podcast, Phil Thompson's been on this podcast and you beat them. So <laughs> sucked in James and Phil and well done, Dawn. <laughs> Thanks, Len. Thanks. Now, I'm not going to ask you what a Thought Leader is because no one knows. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, go, yeah, I, had to go, I had to actually Google what's a Thought Leader. <laughs> and I was just that's like, right. Okay, I just thought, is it people who just have weird ideas? Okay, that's that's fine. No, but in, in all seriousness, changing the conversation mm. around financial security, starting with the next generation, yeah. with what you're doing, it's awesome. Oh, thanks, Len. Like, it's so good. Well, that's 2024. Like I said, does the experiment continues all year? We'll have... We're going to have yeah. learnings and then, like I say, we'll just shape it as we go because we know we're going the right direction. Just don't know where we're going to land. Absolutely. Well, we'll leave it there. Dawn Thomas, thank you so much for joining us on This Is Money. Thank you, Glenn. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we live and work and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to this podcast. If you are interested in furthering your education around money, your career, or property, we have three books that might help. Check out Sort Your Money Out, Sort Your Career Out, and Sort Your Property Out. Find these wherever good books are sold or via the link in the podcast show notes. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 